Hello, lovelies. And welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again. And we have a very fun one in store for all of y'all today. Our guest this week is uh, none other than the world breaker, Brick Savage. Someone who has been making a name for themselves all across the state of Texas and that greater region down there. Um, you know, recently they've appeared on shows for Wrestling Revolver, as well as, you know, main eventing the latest Uncanny Attraction show against Billy Dixon down in Austin. Um, just putting in a whole lot of work for only really being dedicated to pro wrestling for the better part of two years at this point so far. But Brick has definitely uh, put themselves out there and put themselves on the tongue of a lot of people in the pro wrestling space, and we are very excited to sit down with Brick and talk all about their experiences in, in the pro wrestling world, um, as well as some deep roots that they have in pro wrestling, as well as powerlifting and some other and some other aspects about identity and queerness and, and conversations that we haven't been able to to see Brick have yet. And, and we're very glad that we were able to do that with Brick today. So very excited for all of y'all to hear that. But before we get there, I just want to touch on a few things. Um, one, going back to last week's show with Barbie Boy, tonight is the debut of Alliance for All Wrestling um, down in, in Chatsworth, California, the Los Angeles area um, down there. So if you're in the area, get out to uh, the, the spot where Millennium Pro Wrestling regularly runs in Chatsworth and Check out what Barbie Boy and all of the amazing talent from underrepresented communities uh, that are going to be featured on that show have in store for all of y'all. And I want someone to report back and tell me if there were actually pink, uh, <laughs> pink uh, trash bags in the, in the garbage cans at Millennium Pro this time around. Um, because I just want to know how pink it gets down there. So very excited for the launch of, of AFA. All the love back to, to Barbie Boy. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back. It's from last week uh, and, and check that out as well. And then uh, two things that I've been wanting to write about but haven't written about. Four reasons that I can't necessarily discuss right now but should be able to um, by the time we speak next week on this show. Um, the uh, The passing of Anthony Gaines... And the recent, um, you know, interview conducted by John Pollock and Brandon Thurston with uh, Nick Kaniski, uh, you know, with new allegations about about Terry Garvin um, and new allegations about, um, you know, sexual misconduct and, and sexual harassment um, in the WWF, WWE back in the 80s, that same era that we saw come to light uh, through the Ring Boy scandal in the early 90s. Um, obviously, you know, the, the statements from Kineski are, you know, just terrible to hear that, you know, that happened to, to him. Um, you know, and of course it just adds to this larger narrative about like the culture at WWE historically, as well as today, you know, as the, the Vince McMahon sex, sex trafficking case with Janelle Grant continues, as well as, you know, the, the federal probe, the federal investigation that is going on into Vince McMahon as well. But, you know, it's, it's key to remember that Vince McMahon is on trial here. He is a defendant in this case, but so is WWE. And 
you know, stories like Kaniski's as when you add it on to all the other stories that we have heard over the last 30 plus years coming out of, of the ring boy scandal. And now with the added stuff with the various Vincent Mann NDAs, as well as the, um, the Janelle Grant case, like it just speaks to this larger culture within WWE that is just feels rotten in a lot of ways. And I, I myself, like so many others, am, am extremely disappointed in how the company has spoken about it and this idea of like, well, Vince is gone, so you know it's taken care of. And like, you really need to have a a real dedicated sit down look at what is going on within your company historically and how the past has informed what has gone on now. Like, yes, things may be changing in the immediate. But if you don't look back to that past, what do you know that needs to change? And how many of those things that need to change will fall through the cracks? So I really hope that WWE is having a like sit down, um, I guess for lack of a better term, like come to Jesus moment with the idea of like the, the culture that was within WWE for so long. And if they don't, we're just going to see history repeat itself again in, in some way, shape or form. You know, it's only a matter of time, and these things need to be addressed. Um, I'll have more to say whenever, I, whenever I'm able to write about it um, coming up very shortly, you know. But I, I, I say all that, we, we're, we can put that kind of out of, to the side for right now, because um, we need to talk a little bit about Anthony Gaines. Obviously, his sudden passing last weekend... Um, was something that I think rocked a lot of people, especially in the Buffalo area, especially in the upstate New York area where Anthony was most prolific in his wrestling career, you know, passing away at the age of 30 so suddenly like that, um, you know, is, is going to shock a lot of people. It's going to shock a community, you know, and we saw all of the various wrestling figures from that area expressing you know, all of these, these positive interactions and positive um, feelings towards towards Anthony and their time spent with him. And, you know, it's, I'm I'm sad that I never got the chance to, to meet Anthony. Um, you know, I, I know what he was included in the first uh, QWI that was published, the 100, you know, before it was ranked back in uh, 2020. Um, and it's just one of those things where you, I don't know. Like I've been trying to like sift through emotions around it. And it's just really difficult, especially to know that like, yes, he is remembered for like what he's done in wrestling, the championships that he's won, the viral moment with a, with a Romero, obviously with the, the pounce was a huge thing, but you know, Anthony Gaines was was so much more than just that. You know, and see, I think you get that through some a lot of the messages that were put out on social media um, about him. You know, the the sense of community that he built with people, the friendships that he had, the the strong like commitment and loyalty to the people around him, as well as his other passions as well. You know, outside of wrestling, like you know, he was a, a chef. With, like a lot of like close ties between like the culinary arts and family and stuff like that. And I feel for his partner. I feel for his family. Um, and us here at LGBT in the ring just want to send you know our condolences 
and just know that our thoughts are are with his family and and close friends and loved ones right now um i plan to have a little bit more of a focused uh written piece about anthony coming up very shortly as well but we could not do this show today and not address none of a kind anthony Gaines, and none of a kind is truly (laughs) something that is going to stick with him and define him beyond his his time on, on earth for sure so because i mean there was no one else really like anthony Gaines, no one so well with that we will jump into my conversation with uh with brick savage what's up guys gals and non-binary pals welcome back to lgbt in the ring and i am very pleased to have as my guest this week someone who has just been tearing it up all across the state of texas over the last two years um someone who whenever i discovered them i did not even recognize they were in their rookie year because they were already so talented and then uh, i don't know like it blew my mind how far along they they were already now two years on from that um they have continued to make a name for themselves in promotion all across the state you saw them recently in the main event at Uncanny Attractions against Billy Dixon for the Unchampionship. Please welcome the world breaker, Brick Savage. How are you doing today, Brick? I'm doing fantastic. As, as good as Brick can be uh, on a Monday, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I, before we started recording here, like I <laughs> asked you the same question. It was a very <laughs> interesting response considering what you just went through the night before as we're recording this here. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I usually on a Mondays, I just, uh, I don't, I don't really post talk about wrestling, nothing. I'm like completely shut out. Cause like the last two or three days have been just like complete 120% of just whooping ass and taking names and stuff. So <laughs> I gotta have like a peace time to myself and regather. Well, like what just happened? You know? So that's, that's usually how my Monday is going, how that's been going so far. <laughs> kind of recall what's happened. Hey, you always need that time to recoup, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like it seems like, you know, putting my arm through a door is becoming the normal thing for me to do. <laughs> at this point, everybody keeps throwing doors at me, and I'm getting tired of it. So I'm just, just going to destroy it before anything else bad happens to me. You know, that's just, that's being uh, a great thing for this happening <laughs> You know, not not something that every person can say has become a regular thing for them. <laughs> even people in the pro wrestling space, <laughs> yeah. regularly yeah, punching I mean, through doors. You know, and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the first time that that deal happened, uh, I had a, a tables match versus Matt Locke uh, at HOT in Austin, and uh, one of the doors was like set up in the corner, and something happened like a reverse, reverse, reverse thing. And instead of me stopping and like not hitting the door, I just kind of ran through it and threw my arm through it. Uh, you know, so just like a what the fuck just happened kind of thing. I didn't know I didn't know exactly my arm was gonna go through it like that. And just, <laughs> I figured I'd just like punch it and something would happen. And then, you know, next thing I know, my entire arm was through the damn thing and it got stuck there for a minute. And I was like, oh, all right, <laughs> okay. That was that was nifty. Uh <laughs> Yeah. But later on after that, he uh he threw the door on me and it cut my eye open. I know it's not gonna be you're not gonna oh. see it. 
this uh, I have this nifty little scar that's on my eye now. Mm. Uh, right, so uh, appreciate Thank it. Thanks, man. He reminds me of that every time I see him. Like <laughs> <laughs> a like a lie. It was a very interesting. That was very interesting. Interesting match for sure. And then you know here we are punching more doors. It's uh, interesting. Like you you talk about how that kind of happened. Like sort of like accidentally in a way like and i've listened to like previous like interviews that you that you've done because you know in preparation for talking to you and it seems like that's kind of a a normal thing for you <laughs> with like the development of stuff that happens in the ring like i remember hearing the story about the 12 to 6 yeah how yeah. that came to be <laughs> <laughs> you know it's uh it's one of those things it's like uh trying to come up with something that's a little bit different and you know there's uh, there's moments that happen where like, you know, how do I, how do I turn this into, how do I make this work out of, you know, what I'm trying to do? And, uh, you know, just like kind of, I know I'm strong. So like, you know, flipping people is probably, you know, it's pretty easy on my part. And I figured out how to get the setup right. And we're just like, okay, cool. If I do this and throw my arm up underneath their leg, I should be able to like twist them midair and then land them on their face. Should work no problem. And if I did it once, I was like, okay, uh, that wasn't bad. I'm best. Def- I've definitely perfected it now. But the first few were a little bit, a bit rough. A bit rough you know. But now it's uh, that's the thing of beauty. You know, it's definitely uh, very, very interesting. You know, clock deal. Start at twelve o'clock. You know, then I put up six feet deep. So there you uh, go. There's the twelve to six. No, and I think that's one of the, the things that, that has really helped you stand out, obviously, is is your strength, like your power. Like you you're let's face it, like what you're like three hundred plus, you are like like muscle on muscle. Yeah. <laughs> Jack and juicy is what I like to call that. Jack there you and go. Yeah. <laughs> and I obviously a lot of that comes out of your your previous career as a power lifter. Um mm-hmm. which I when I, whenever I found that out about about you, like it made total sense, but also like it, it's interesting, like how that transition can can occur for you. So, like, talk to me a bit about how like how you got into powerlifting originally and how that kind of led you into the world of pro wrestling. Well, the powerlifting thing was an accident too. Uh, oh, okay. You know, kind of do... <laughs> so just full of accidents. Yeah, you know, just happy accidents. You know, it's just <laughs> that's the story of my life here. Uh, you know, I was getting. Uh, prep for doing a bodybuilding show and uh something happened with the coach i was talking to this it just it wasn't working uh i decided just to go back to getting bigger again and uh, a friend at the gym was just like you know maybe you should try powerlifting you know some of the numbers you work out with they're pretty close to like those state records you should probably try it i just kept saying no and uh i went to go see uh these kids she looked after they're like you know uh like foster type kids and people have kids that go through abuse and stuff like that uh i went up there to see him and talk about comic books dressed up as bane uh basketball and uh i had a good time there uh and then afterwards those kids were basically telling her uh they wanted to see me powerlift so you know i was like you know what fine fuck it i'll, I'll do one I'll, I'll try it i'll try it and uh you know i did i signed up for that first meet probably like maybe three weeks three and a half weeks prior to it actually happening so I was a bit late in signing up for that deal. Got a few friends to do it with me and shit, and uh, we got prep for it. I wrote them all programs to get prep for it, studied as much of the 
the the whole scene of piloting as I could. Uh, you know, we went to that meet in San Antonio, and man, I had a I had a fucking blast. I had placed first, had a pretty high total. It was like eighteen, uh, eighteen thirteen, eighteen fourteen in pounds. So you know, so squat bench deadlift and uh, one first place, one best lifter uh, overall. Got a big giant plaque of the uh, shape of Texas. Uh, so I was like, damn, this is, this is pretty damn cool. You know, we all had a great time. So we decided to sign up for another meet, uh, four weeks later, uh, you know, so had a blast, did that one. And, uh, I was like, man, this is pretty, pretty damn cool. This is my first like 700 pound, uh, 705. I think it was my, my squat. That was the first time I squatted 705. Uh, you know, I think bench two was like, my bench was like four, uh, 95, 496 or whatever it was in pounds. Uh, you know, it was pretty, everything was all pretty, pretty high up there and, uh, had a good time. Uh, and I was like, damn, this is, this is really fun. I mean, I can try to like make this bigger than, you know, what I'm doing right now. So did all the studying, looking up all the programming stuff, went to a seminar with this guy named Josh Bryan, uh, showed him my, my programs that I made, he told me they were dog shit, complete ass, they were terrible. <laughs> you need to hire a coach. And I was like, oh man, wow. Uh, all right, I'm gonna hire you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I hired him immediately, and uh, man, you know, it was just funny because uh, <laughs> he told me how bad it was, and like, you know, it was just like one of those things. Like, well, I tried, and uh, you know, we work together uh you know i got higher and higher every total and stuff like that and uh spent did that for past for six years pretty much and i, I had two two major injuries that happened that pretty, pretty much kind of derailed that the deal i tore my patella tendon uh with a 900 pound squat and then tore my rotator cuff with a uh like 525 bench press mm. and after that deal that was that was it uh i did a bunch of cool shit piloting I wish I could have did more, uh, you know, regards to my total, but trying to have to rebound after an injury at that level and trying to stay relevant that fast uh, was definitely doing more harm than good. So I'll just like, you know what, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna hang it up here, uh, keep whatever limbs and you know, cartilage I have left, uh, which isn't very much. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> decided to hang it up and. Uh, had that surgery for my rotator cuff, spent, I don't know, six six months or so kind of just like thinking about what I wanted to do. I tried to get back into working out. Wasn't really doing it for me. Uh, everything just kind of hurt. So I decided, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to take a, a long break. Uh, that was 2021, April, when I had that, that deal happen. So I got up to December 2021. Decided to help coach one of my other powerlifting friends in Oklahoma. Met my tag partner now, or was Damon McCullough, uh, up there. We've known about each other, but, you know, we finally met there. He was just getting into pro wrestling, started training again. We were talking about wrestling for about six, seven hours at this powerlifting meet. You know, and uh, I was leaving Oklahoma, which is like, hey, man, maybe uh, maybe I could go up to one of those uh, you know, training days with you and maybe see See, see what, you know, what happens, you know, whatever. Maybe it'll be fun. And uh, I got the invite, okay. Went up there on a Wednesday to Fort Worth. And like I said, it was a fucking accident. It's just like one of those things like, 
you know, maybe you should try it. And it's like, okay, let me just go to practice and see what see what happens. I we spent maybe like two and a half hours basically knocking the ring rust off of me, and by the time we got done with it, I felt so much better about it. It was like, oh my god, this is. I forgot how fun this was. You know, drove my three hours back from Fort Worth back to Austin. It was like, man, let me uh, let me look in my closet see what I got to put together. Maybe I could just put an image together. See if, if I can see it in my head. Maybe, maybe I can, maybe I'll think about it. Uh, I put on a black singlet, put on some combat boots, taped up my wrist, a, a denim jacket, a denim vest, put some eyeliner on. I was like, yeah, it's kind of, this might kind of be, kind of work. This might, this might be the vibe. Cut a vignette out in the fucking cold rain. <laughs> You know, in the mud, <laughs> it looked cool as shit. And uh, you know, I was like, I think I'm gonna do this, and uh, you know, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna give it a try. You know, and uh, you know, I pretty much did uh one half-ass segment part with Demo for my first match uh in March 2022, and then uh, kind of basically getting booked uh starting in April every weekend since. Mm. Made some calls to some people, you know, reached out to some old uh, contacts and stuff from, you know, my dad's era. And uh, we kind of have the mutual friends between the Powerlifting thing and some of those old contacts and found the right person, got a couple bookings back to back and stuff like that. And it, it just kind of took off from there. And I was like, this is really, I'm having a really good time doing this. And like, <laughs> just took off. Haven't been busy ever since. <laughs> No, I mean, and the success is well due. Like, it's interesting just to hear how you've kind of like stumbled into all these things and just like, just like by the chance of just like, oh, give it a shot. Yeah. You know, man, I'm telling you, this this is one of those things. It's crazy. It's like, you know, someone like, hey, man, you should probably try this. I'm like, ah, nah, wait. Okay, maybe let me see. Let me see what happens. Has that always been like a, a facet of your personality? Just kind of like yeah, I'm a very curious person, yeah. and you know, uh, I like to fly on the edge of my seat. Is definitely one of those things for sure. And uh, I like being, you know, a little spontaneous and doing things that you know that maybe fall out the norm of the box. And you know, what's the worst that could happen? You know, is kind of like my thing. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Like either this person says no, or that's a no go. This doesn't work. You know, it doesn't really do any any harm there to to try. So, uh, you know, give it a shot, and if it actually works for you, maybe you can get better at it and actually get good at it. Uh, kind of those. That's just kind of how I roll, I guess. Hmm. No, I mean, it's good that you have that that level of confidence to kind of you know, like, because obviously, I'm sure there's still like some like back of the brain like fear center there it's just like uh eh, you know about like failure and stuff like that but like is but it's also a sense of like having an ability of just you know it being able to like accept like if if you're not good at something then you're not good at something at least you gave it a shot i think it's more of like a uh not worried about my self-preservation versus a fear thing i'm like you know what? I don't really care about what happened to my body. <laughs> I do some very uh, bad things to it and stuff. I'm just going around, just throwing around all over the place anyway. So mm. uh, why not get paid to do it at this point? You know, so. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Can't argue. One of, yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, <sighs> that kind of looks fun. Maybe a little painful, but yeah, it'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you mentioned like getting into the ring with with with, De- with Damo and knocking off the ring rust. Obviously, a term like that refers to someone who is, that was not their first time in a wrestling ring. And I think that's something that a lot of people that you know have come to to know you through whether it be the various highlight clips or the gifts or the matches that they've seen of Brick Savage that may not necessarily know that you're a second generation pro wrestler. Um, you, you mentioned before, like your dad wrestled in, in the area and in you know, a lot of the contacts that you've built up through him, like kind of helped get you out there into the Texas scene over the last couple of years. When was the first time that you stepped into a, a wrestling ring? Uh, probably, uh, well, it was 10, might be yeah, about 10 or so. Mm. Uh, you know, this is, uh, uh, late nineties. Uh, here when my dad got started and uh, we'd watch wrestling all the time then uh, when he was getting into it and stuff like that and uh, you know he he was trained by Killer Tim Brooks and he went to that I remember that first day he came back he just sat in the chair and just didn't move he hurt so bad and I just I couldn't understand what what the the hell was happening you know because like you watch it on TV, you don't get the concept that when you do it, because uh, it definitely they make it look so effortlessly easy that you know you get people that are like, oh, I could do that, uh, and then they try to do it. And it's like, oh no, no, I can't do that, uh, right? So he came back and was all beat up. And like Killer Tim Brooks' uh, ring is is notoriously known for being very stiff, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So uh, <laughs> once uh, you know he got done with doing that, I'd go around with him and my brother on these shows and like uh, help set up the ring and stuff like that. And we, me and my brother would get in the ring and, you know, take bumps and stuff and roll around, uh, jumping off of turnbuckles and shit. Well, I would most part of do, doing five-star frog splashes off the top and, you know, working on my selling and shit like that. And, um, one point, uh, Necro Butcher had a, uh, facility in Colleen where we were, uh, living at and, uh, went to go training with my pops. It was a little easier to go than driving up to uh, like Austin and stuff like that on, on school nights and shit. So, um, went there and like every time they would take a break, I'd get in the ring and do my training stuff, uh, which wouldn't be much. It just like drop down, leapfrog, you know, bump bullshit. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Nicko Butcher is notoriously known for being stiff as shit too. So, uh, no taking it easy on my 11, 12 year old self. Uh, you know, so, you know, get hit with all kinds of stuff and, you know, getting, you know, chopped and, you know, hit kendo sticks and all that stuff. So I'm used to kind of get beat up, you know, you know, right. So, mm. uh, that whole, whole ordeal, just like, you know, being able to absorb pain, uh, you know, got that kind of early on, uh, maybe probably thankful for that, you know, towards later on to everybody else I was doing, but, you know, I'd wrestle my dad, you know, here and there on, on those training days and, uh, we got out of it for a very ridiculous reason because people are, are they're not always very kind and uh you know so it basically pushed me and my brother out of out of that deal and we you know stopped watching wrestling my dad continued going but you know he wouldn't bring us with him because you know those people are the people just made it made it bad experience for him so he didn't want us to be around that. so mm-hmm. i fell out of it didn't want nothing to do with it you know we started doing more football stuff but he'd give me a call every now and then, and be like, "Hey, you want to go, you know, wrestle, or you know, want to go do this thing?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure, I got time. You know, I'm not doing this football thing. I want to on a break." Uh, so I remember the <clears throat> one time he called me, I was probably when I was like 18, 
and we did some show in front of like some firecracker stand in the middle of nowhere for some like birthday party thing. Uh, right. So <laughs> it was hot as shit. The, the mat was completely, it was awful. Couldn't, couldn't lay on it very long at all. But, you know, we had a blast. Uh, had a good time and stuff like that. And uh, they, those people there didn't know we were related. Uh, I'm a mix. My dad is uh, white. Mm -hmm. My mom was black. So, you know, we got this long-haired white dude, rebel, you know, trailer park trash gimmick versus like this flying Hawaiian looking kid. And, you know, just like, it's not one of those things like, you know, oh, they're, they're father and son. So like, you know, we had a whole deal. And once it get done, they were like, oh, what? That's your dad? And like, you know, it was been a whole ordeal. <clears throat> so, you know, uh, people have known of me in that, in the wrestling thing, you know, when I was like little, they remember me from then and stuff like that. Not so much later on. Uh, wrestled my dad maybe one more time, probably like when I was like early 20s in a, a sub training deal. And that was it. Or like 22 or so. Like that was it. It wasn't into doing it, wasn't trying to make it in my career or anything like that. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, uh, Pops didn't really, you know, force me to try to get into the business ever at any point in time. So I just, I let it go for that point. That was, that was it. You know, he mm. took did the thing. He tried to go around, make a name for himself around Texas, did that, you know, known for, known for being stiff himself too. So, uh, you know, he had a shot to go to Japan. That didn't pan out. And that was the, this, that he, uh, the highest thing, uh, probably accomplished was getting that, uh, NWA Texas, um, tag team championship amongst other titles around, you know, stuff like that. But he did fairly good for, you know, guy on the independence, especially in that, that time frame. wrestled some big name people and stuff like that. And, you know, it was uh, cool, cool to, you know, see him do that. Uh, gave me the idea of just like, you know, trying to go out and make a name for yourself and, you know, something that led me towards trying to be, you know, something prolific and powerlifting. It was like, hey, this is my thing. This is what I'm actually really good at. Mm -hmm. And, uh, let me try to make something out of that. So, you know, that was that was the idea behind that. Uh, lo and behold, it fell into the wrestling thing anyway. And now it's not just <laughs> it's been very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously you fell back in, into the wrestling thing here because we're talking now. But at the same time, like, it feels like those experiences and, like, you know, the way that, you know, the relationship with your dad and pro wrestling and all that stuff kind of, I don't know. Maybe I'm just like reading into something here. Maybe just be better to straight up ask you. Like, does it does it feel like the experiences that you had with your dad around pro wrestling, um, and also like his, you know, like resistance to like kind of push you towards that as a thing to do, and rather than you know giving you space to kind of find your own like desires and your own like passions and that sort of thing. Do you feel like that kind of set you up for this kind of, I guess ability that that you've had to like kind of carve your own path or like have like this you know because like yeah carve your own path i think that i don't need to put any more qualifiers on it i think that's a good a good way to describe it yeah i think it gives me it gave me the you know the the visual there just like you know uh just trying something when you know there's probably uh, you know, more likely chance of it not panning out than, you know, maybe panning out and not worrying about that part. Because when my dad got in the business, he was 36. Mm -hmm. uh, very old in comparison to a lot of those people get in there. And he'd keep up with those young guys. You know, he was very, very good in his own right. Uh, you know, uh, 
he's entertaining. He's you know he's he's an entertainer. Uh, so he's pretty good on the mic. I'm not very. I don't. I don't think I'm very great on the mic uh, in comparison because I'm 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 very angry. So when I speak, it's a very uh, uh, not family friendly type of thing. So it's kind of harder to say certain stuff without uh, being being that deal. Because uh, when I get irate, it just like stuff just flies out of my mouth. But uh, he was pretty good with the trash talk. Absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, it was good, good, uh, good type of cowardly heel that was still tough. So you know, it's a <laughs> very, very entertaining, and uh, it's one of those things like watching him do that when I was younger and stuff like that. Watching wrestling, uh, you know, I took some of that stuff into powerlifting uh, and made my my you know competing a little bit more entertaining. They didn't, they didn't really have much of that. You'd have people that maybe would like go head to head and stuff like that but they wouldn't make it like a spectacle of a thing. And I kind of, you know, brought some of that more into that when I was challenging people, I'd cut promos, you know, do these things and other, make highlight uh, reels and stuff like that to make it spice it up a little bit, make it more entertaining, you know, cause uh is very niche and not very many people know about it or even care about it. Uh, it's not very exciting to watch, to be honest, especially when not everybody's like really strong. It doesn't make it as interesting as versus like when everybody's strong. So, uh, you know, to, to add a little extra to it, you know, you spice things up. You got, uh, you know, you bring your face and heel into that that kind of that deal. And it makes it a little bit more entertaining because people are like, okay, whose side do I pick? Uh, you know, what happens here? Uh, what happens there? What's going to happen, you know, at the, at the end and stuff like that. So brings a little bit more entertaining. I think that, you know, him doing that showed me, uh, you know, it's okay to, you know, just go out there, just like do the thing, uh, be whatever. And, you know, just whatever happens, happens. Cause like I said, at the, at the end of the day, like, it doesn't exactly matter. Uh, Cause if it works, it works. If it doesn't try something else, hmm. you know, so that seems to be a recurring thing. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things like I, I took from that, watching him do that. So hmm. uh, hats off to him on that. No, I, it's a, <laughs> it's a wonderful like lesson to have like kind of taught to you very early on in life and one that keep carrying with you, especially like not just like having that lesson there, but also like, like you said, like pulling from like the entertainment factor of like watching your dad and like putting that into, you know, your own realm of, of powerlifting in a way. Cause like, correct me if I'm wrong, brick savage originated from the powerlifting world. That nickname was there was stuck to you during your time in powerlifting but prior to pro wrestling a part of it the brick part not so much the savage part so <laughs> uh so initially uh you know uh at one point in time when instagram was just getting started uh you know i had a uh, original name on there it was like savage something blah blah, blah. and once i started the politic thing uh you know as far as like a strict aspect one of my uh, favorite characters is Warbreaker Hulk. And, mm. uh, you know, there's a comic book page very specifically. Uh, I want to say it was like 632 in The Incredible Hulk uh, that he does this deal where he basically starts getting super angry, super strong. He basically takes one step, starts cracking everything. And, like, if you like if you step any harder, you'll cause a tsunami in China or some shit like that. It was, like, on this whole page. It's a big whole ordeal. Uh, you know, he's probably fighting Reggie Hulk, and like it was just a big, big, crazy, crazy moment. And I use that page as the inspiration to uh, basically transform 
uh, not only my page, the brand uh, as itself to World Breaker Savage uh, under that under the moniker there for powerlifting to you know stick out. Uh, you know, while you see the thing, uh, it's got the you know the gist behind it. <clears throat> part of that Savage part came from uh, Macho Man Randy Savage uh, at a party thing. I had some glasses on at the <laughs> Macho Man shades and shit. Uh, so like they, that was just they were just calling me that. So that part stuck there. I used that part from uh, Hulk and uh, you know got to the wrestling thing. I didn't want to change my Instagram name because I built up so much uh, stock in that that name there. Uh, you know, but I, I needed a name that stuck out uh, in wrestling. So uh, could I use my real name and have been fine? Probably. Probably. But the whole point of having a character larger than life is one that's just like, you know, you pulled it out of a comic book page anyway. And they're not going to have a normal name. So uh, <clears throat> in the midst of like getting started that deal and trying to come up with something uh, maybe they had like Savage in it and stuff like that. Um, I was at the gym and uh, it's been a while since I've been to this particular gym and a dude that hadn't seen me for maybe a couple years just because we just didn't see each other. Uh, I walked by and he was like, damn, dude, you're fucking built like a brick shit house." And I was like, what the fuck are you saying? <laughs> he said it again. I was like, okay. I was like, all right. Huh. Interesting. Uh, you know, so I start typing that, you know, Brick Savage in there to see if anybody had that name, uh, was related to anybody. Nothing, nothing popped up at all. Uh, right. So I was like, cool, cool. Let me, uh, make a second, uh, you know, Instagram has that name on it in case I want to use that for my main page, rebranded my Twitter. Uh, it took a minute for me to rebrand the Facebook as just Brick Savage on there. Uh, you know, cause I made a, uh, athlete page, rebranded that. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things like, do I want to keep my personal page with my real name on it, or do I want to use it all uh, as my working name so that way when anybody tags me anything, it already has the right name on there. Nobody's confused. Everything works out properly. So, uh, you know, big marketing thing is my 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 forefront uh, would get started before even getting in the ring was make sure everything was marketable, mm -hmm. right? I had uh, I drew up a logo. Uh, all that made everything I needed to make, you know, I didn't really have any means to actually get gear made, but I had a singlet that was already made for powerlifting that I never got to wear. It had Savage on the back of it, giant Venom mouth on the front and the anti-Venom logo on the back. Right. So it all, it all fit. <laughs> so, you know, so it was to start thinking of uh, stuff and like backstory origin What's my motivation? This, that, the other. I got the spider on my back. What does that mean? You know, all this, all these things that started to, you know, to come into play and start thinking about. Uh, you know, I got this big obsession with time and clocks and ticking clocks and uh, spiders and all this shit. Just like you know, starting to build up. Like, what's, what's all this? What's all this supposed to mean? So that way, you know, it's one of those things. Like, how do I pull from my real life in this? Make this really fluid, and then be able to pull everything out on command when I need to and make it make sense. Make me believe it so everybody else believes it. And, you know, it just takes one day at a time, but it's been almost two years since it started. And every day it's, I'm working on something to make this better. Every day. Something has to be better or be more crisp, uh, something new. You know, I got to have, I got to just got to, my hands just in everything. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make, you know, make everything my own and stuff like that. So I think it's working out pretty, pretty well there. You know, yeah. so. <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to LGBT in the ring. We're just going to take a quick break here to let you know uh, ways that you can support the show. And say thank you to some very rad people that help make this show uh, as amazing as it is. Um, first off, if you would like to support the show, we are on Patreon now. Patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Multiple tiers there for everyone that feels so moved to support this show. We've got numerous uh Patron benefits over there, uh, including bonus shows that are going to be coming out on a monthly uh, roundtable of those sort of things. So uh, definitely go over and check us out. Uh, again, patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. Every single dollar that is uh, pledged there to support the show is very, very humbling. And we thank you. We also have a, a merch store over on Brainbuster Tees. Go to brainbustertees.com and search LGBT in the ring. Uh, you get t-shirts, tank tops, all kinds of good stuff. And, you know, always looking at some new things as well. But uh, definitely check us out on Brainbuster Tees there as well. You can follow the show on social media as well. We're everywhere um, that we have accounts. We're at LGBT RingPod. That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, co-host, <laughs> Mastodon, whatever. We're there. Uh, so follow the show there. You can follow me at WonderboyOTM on uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. We also want to give a huge thank you to Sarah and the Safe Word for the show's theme, uh, Formula 666, from the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, or you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp. Another great way to support the show uh, is over at independentwrestling.tv. Check out IWTV for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. You can use our code LGBTRingPod or visit uh, the URL, tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT. And uh, whenever you, uh, as long as you use that code to open your account and keep that active, we get a kickback from IWTV. So your subscription to watch all the great wrestling that we talk about on this show uh, goes to support the show as well. Thumbs up there. Of course, if you want to read more of my pro wrestling writing, you can check out outsports.com. And if you are into video games, I also co-host a video game news uh, Twitch stream every Monday at uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. It's called the Mr. Video Game Super Show. Um, I co-host that with uh, two dear friends and Twitch streamers, uh, Slacker Kite and Lady Merwin. Um, just run through the, the week's gaming news or we throw on a game and play and just have fun and be dumb. It's it's great. But uh, you can check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific over at twitch.tv slash Entertainment. Sun like the star. With that said, let's get back to the show. It's interesting <laughs> to hear like just how much of like this complete the idea of Brick Savage 
came together as like a complete package so quickly for you. I mean, considering obviously you had places to pull from previously, you had I mean, you had a singlet, you know, left over. Mm-hmm. You had an idea for like name and persona and this character and that sort of thing. But it's just it, considering like how how quickly all of this kind of came together for you. You know, the same way that how quickly you got back into the ring and it was like, oh no, I could do this. Like this is this is for me. Like it's just I don't know. You don't see too many people like that have put that entire package together so quickly whenever they're starting off in their pro wrestling career. Granted, you had been around wrestling before, you kind of had this absorbed from from your dad and the people that you've been around whenever you were a kid, but but the same time like whenever you're stepping out there like you're gonna do this for real for real like you don't always see people that quickly putting together this complete idea of who they are in the pro wrestling space and another aspect of that that i wanted to ask you about is you know queerness because you are Mm non-binary and you know that's something that you know is you at least on like social media is like, it seems very, like a very, very important part of who you are. Um, talk to me about that journey to, to finding that, that self, th- that part of yourself, you know, when did, when did right. that start of like start coming up for you? Uh, you know, cause uh, like I said, what we're talking about the image of getting that together. Uh, you know, it has a lot of my powerful look in it. And, you know, the whole brand start was being the uh, strongest uh, pro wrestler in Texas. You know, and I really wanted to get away from the piloting thing because, uh, you know, I wanted to have my own thing. Uh, that was another big part, too, is basically having to start all the way the fuck over on all the marketing and all the stuff I did for piloting and bring my name up there and go completely blank, uh, start over with Brick Savage and make, you know, all my digital footprints start building back up. And, uh, you know... Um, Working on my image, it took, it definitely took a lot of time to get to where I'm at now because I didn't know exactly how to present uh, myself in a way that I felt comfortable with uh, that didn't like make it seem like it was a cliche thing to do. Uh, right. So, like, I didn't want to have, uh, you know, put a bunch of rainbow stuff on me or a bunch of, uh, you know, flag, flag stuff on me and stuff like that. Because uh, that's not that's not stuff I normally wear. Yeah, you know, I wanted to figure out what was going to be a representation of uh, me as my personal life, and be able to put it in this character that makes sense and makes me comfortable. And uh, you know, uh, I think I like to say it's the the leather daddy look or the dungeon daddy look. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I can I can get the vibe. <laughs> that term is very broad. It can go for anybody. You know, I got a, I got a few friends that are on a different spectrum that, uh, you know, like being called daddy. So, uh, you know, it's just like one of those things like, uh, uh, you know, I, I looked at, you know, other people's gear, uh, you know, that, that were queer that had uh, a, a type of look uh, that I liked, but I didn't think would look good on me. So that, okay, how do I take, you know, some of this stuff from here and then put it over here? So uh, the first designs of my first singlets uh, that I made that were, uh, you know, the first runs were basically like, uh, it makes like throwbacks and homage to, you know, wrestlers that I like to give me a, a look. 
So I was like, okay, I got something here new to freshen up my image, and that way I can start building on building on this thing. Uh, you know, the eye the eyeliner and eyeshadow stuff started getting darker and heavier. Uh, was it was as I, as I was going, my hair is getting longer. Uh, you know, so things are starting to be able to change and give me uh, the the look I'm you know trying to trying to reach there. Uh, I get tons of earrings in. I keep all that in, so it gets gets that look where you know I have. Um, a variety and, and different flavor already kind of building up. And it was like, okay, uh, how do I get this to work? And I started to draw singlets for like days and just like start putting shit on there. I was like, okay, I really like uh, the garter thing look, but I don't like, uh, you know, all the women wear that as a thing and they're not practical for me. So how do I make it practical? Well, you put a leather belt on it. You know, just put an actual strap on it. You know, maybe I can use this strap for something. I don't know what it is, but if I actually put a strap on here that I could do something with, I, I, it, it needs to be practical, uh, which I got to use in one match uh, finally. since <laughs> 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 A couple of days ago. So, uh, you know, it adds another dynamic. And that's a lot of a lot of the, the, the lore of uh, Brick Savage is the dynamic of so many layers of this walking weapon that you know are so dangerous like i'm a big counter machine like it's hard to you know plan for me because whatever you throw make it turn into a counter just like completely fuck you up with right so having this idea of having all these like kind of things attached to me that maybe could be used with a weapon or some type of armor look uh that armor kind of idea came from max uh the impaler mm. they've got tons of armor right so it's like they're just like completely built of like solid can't move me don't fuck with me vibe so it's like, okay <laughs> i can't go full max and be you know wasteland but uh how do i get some of this this deal in here so you know leather daddy dungeon vibe so uh you know add straps get some armor on here have some like you know basically built-in weapons into my gear more or less and you know it's a it's a practical thing that works uh for me so uh you know finally got the the my belt uh my boots redone has buckle straps on it there's some moves i do too with like you know my boots wise uh but i want to make sure they're like reinforced to make sure i can kick stuff harder you know shit like shit like that was just like kind of in my head so how do i make all these things look and you know it it definitely has uh a more masculine part than you know some of the, some of the part of my personal life uh i like to wear what i like to wear you know uh uh, I've got a pair of, uh, they're like high heel leather boots, mm-hmm. uh, and they're shiny as fuck, and they got tons of straps on them. So I put those on the table. And was like, okay, how the fuck do I make those look like? How do I put these in a wrestling thing? So <laughs> I put these straps on on the wrestling boots. So like, okay, cool, got that part done, you know. And like, uh, you know, wearing, uh, I consider wearing fishnets and stuff like that didn't really didn't really vibe to me I'm like that's too too much too max and i was like okay that doesn't work i was like maybe i can do like a leather skirt thing uh right that really doesn't work it's not super practical maybe later on when i kind of come up with a better design of something maybe that'll work uh but you know as far as like showcasing the muscle the toughness uh in that but also just like the elegance of like leather it's always smooth and looks really clean you know stuff like that and bringing the uh eyeshadow uh, you know whether 
it looks like it's a complete mess and like it's chaotic it's a control chaos mm -hmm. right there's like, there's so much in here that's just like layered up and you know it gives me the uh some of my personal life uh being non-binary and just like kind of on this spectrum of just like you know uh how can you make this very overly masculine looking person be sleek and maybe somewhat feminine some things and I did it. And you guys, that's the that's the main look I have I have it now. So uh, I've got three singlets now that have those leather straps on them and stuff like that. And you know, some people don't get it. They're like, "Oh, those are garter belts." And like, "Well, you're wearing women's gear." I'm like, mm, "No, it's a singlet and it has straps on it." But you know, teach their own whatever. You know, those people are. I'm not. That's, that's not my audience. I don't care about those people. You know, yeah. and the people that do watch me, they're either uh, completely intimidated and scared of shit of me. Or they're so enticed by my appeal that they're just like in love with me no matter what I do. They, I could just, I could be murdering their favorite wrestler. They don't care. They're like, oh my god, this person. <laughs> they are too hot. They can step on me all they want. And you know, that's the. I know, I know my audience, and that's the vibe. <laughs> either, either people want to fight me or they want to, the other f word to me, and like you know, it's one or the other. Uh, maybe both and this one of those things like I considered about how I look when I go out uh, <laughs> and how I look when I go out to the ring so mm -hmm. I put those two together finally got you know those signals moving on and like especially like the last single version I made uh, it's very intricate and all the layers on it uh, all together and stuff like that so it's finally starting to piece together where now I feel like you know personal life and like wrestling stuff are all really really combined and got you know, really comfortable uh especially when when i go out now so <laughs> took a lot a lot of trial and error a lot of drawing like a lot of concept art stuff like that but uh it's moving and so that way i didn't want to like rush into anything like i said uh you know didn't want to throw a bunch of uh pride stuff on there i think representation is very important and being who you are is very important and i don't want to be somebody i wasn't just to do a representation of of uh, the community and do it an injustice by not being my complete self. So I figured out a way to do it and it worked. It finally, finally got it to work like I wanted to. And like now uh, I have you know, people in the community that reach out to me and they're like, I had no idea. And seeing you do this and knowing you do this outside of the ring too, like this, this makes me so much feel so much better about myself uh, you got, you can do this. You can do a good skirt. You look good to lipstick, you know, all this stuff too. And it's just like, you know, it, it feels good to have those people feel like they have some type of representation. Uh, you know, uh, even if they're not like super jacked and juicy, maybe they're just big and they're just like, you know, they feel out of place because they don't look like this certain person looks, they're like, Oh shit. Kind of bricks kind of like in this, this category. Well, I, maybe I fall in this category too. And maybe I can try these things. So, uh, you know, a handful of people have, have told me about that, and like, it's a really cool. Uh, probably one of the cooler things of me being in in wrestling is uh, being able to reach out to different types of people and touch them in a way that uh, makes them feel good about themselves and grow uh, in their personal life too, and not just have uh, an entertaining time at a wrestling wrestling event. They're also growing in their personal life uh, based off of that. I feel like it's really touching. Uh, very special <laughs> too. <laughs> no, I can I can definitely understand that. You know, especially considering like, you know, all these different avenues of entry that you have to like, you know, kind of discover a character or get to know a character. Like, 
I think gear is a, is a huge aspect of that. You know, look is a huge aspect of that. Presentation is a huge aspect of that. Which, so it makes sense that there's like this this heightened focus on that for you and like how you want to implement these different sides of you and how you want to represent your identity or that part of your identity through through what you do in the ring. And it's definitely translating to people for sure. Like, you know, you have people reach out to you and and you know from the community and and you know, mention that inspiration to you. And it's really interesting as we continue in like the, the, the growth of queer identities in the pro wrestling space to see more and more how presentations are being diversified in, in across the space, like no longer do like, if you, if you are part of the LGBTQ community, you don't have to like be rainbows everywhere. You know, like you, like that's not a requirement anymore. It's just like this. We just want to see, you for yourself and you know we've definitely seen people over the years that have represented that you know people like Pero, people like um uh dewey murray up in new york you know um people like karam uh, you know who's been in, in the midwest and at the big gay brunches and stuff like that and then you like fall right into that as well because like there is no one that like like looks like you in that space because you've built yourself to be incredibly unique and it's 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 kind of apt that you mentioned max the impaler you know right. there's someone like you're you're bouncing ideas off of even if you're not going directly to max to like bounce an idea off of them it's like you're just looking at them and saying what can i do to stand out there you know from that especially for non-binary audiences you know because as obviously like there's been a huge growth but there's still you know, non-binary identities in the progressing space are still a minority within a minority. And the more visible that, you know, we can be is always helpful for, you know, making people feel comfortable in those spaces, making people feel like they belong in those spaces. Um, to that end, what was it like for you knowing like how the role that Max played in like the development of of this? How cool was it for you to actually step into the ring with Max at Metroplex? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, still working on my own gender identity going into that deal. Uh, it made me more comfortable in, in that aspect because, uh, you know, it wasn't too long before that where I will start to uh, tell certain people that I was non-binary, uh, you know, and, and, and people at Metro. Metroplex definitely uh, knew that at that point in time, uh, would have going up into that Max match. And, uh, you know, working Max uh, afterwards, uh, it, it, it made me feel more comfortable uh, in, in my own personal life and also in wrestling because uh, Max doesn't give a fuck whether, you know, you, you what do you think about Max? And they just do whatever fuck they want to do. And that's my whole thing anyway. It's like, I just do what the fuck I want to do. And, you know, just being a force of nature, nature really doesn't have a gender. So, like, you just can be whatever the fuck you want and destroy anything you want and everybody's going to be terrified of you. It doesn't matter at that point. Nobody cares, uh, right? So they're not going to be, oh, that hurricane is so feminine, right? So nobody's gonna, nobody gives a shit about that. They're just like, uh, I need to get the hell out of here and not be anywhere in the vicinity. And that's the, that's the idea of wrestling matches. Max was just chaos. And I'm like, okay, all right. You know, this is this is the vibe. There's no there's no particular you know you know move set here that uh, made them like identify a certain way. And like you know, studying like how 
we work each other, uh, right? So it was just a fun, fun idea, a fun match, uh, super chaotic, uh, you know, and afterwards and when I watched it back and just like, kind of like looking at how uh, Max just like had a presence about them, uh, you know, was helpful in me kind of like being okay with how do I, you know, transform myself into doing the things that I do, uh, you know, being, being who I was. And uh, I didn't fully come out until uh, some odd time. Uh, it, it, was, it was a while. It, was, it wasn't too long ago, uh, last year. And uh, it was just like one of those things like uh, I wanted to feel like I was comfortable enough with everything. And, you know, being around people at Metroplex, uh, especially one of my good friends, Taryn, they, uh, we talked a lot and they just uh, had, you know, told everybody how, you know, like they were non-binary and stuff like that. And it gave me inspiration. So I'm like, you know, these people have all this stuff and I, was, I have all this, you know, look about me that exudes all this confidence but I haven't been able to project that, you know, in my personal life to all these people. I didn't really think about it too much because uh, all my personal friends knew and that was good enough for me. But, you know, talking to all these people, like I said, I have, you know, things here and there in my profiles that, that you know, point to point to the fact of my, my gender, my sexual orientation, all that stuff. So it's all, it's, it's been there, but I just didn't like make it a, a point to like say it out. And then after, you know, the max deal and then talking with Taryn, I was just like, you know what? I I, I want to be able to have this representation in a forefront. So if somebody looked at it and looked it up, they could see I said something about it and they were confident enough that maybe themselves, they could say something about it. Uh, right. So uh, I thought long and hard about what I wanted to say. And I said, it. I finally said, it. Uh, you know, and I felt 10 times better about it. Uh, you know, and it wasn't one of those things like, you know, I had to do it, uh, but I felt it was just necessary. And then once I did it, I felt even better about myself. And, you know, after doing that, you know, maybe they, maybe, I don't know, the ideas started flowing a little more about being more comfortable and stuff like that. And boom, now you have the limits you have now, because I was just like able to like pull certain things and just like not care about certain things, but also pull from, uh, different representations of things and be able to pull everything together uh, I feel completely comfortable, uh, not only just personally, but in in wrestling. And I think and be and I'm thankful uh, for Max for that too, because uh, like I said, there's not a lot of you know, people that represent you know that are non-binary in wrestling. Uh, and if they if they are, they don't they don't say anything about it. Uh, and I don't necessarily feel like that's the right thing to do, but I understand. I definitely understand. Uh, because you know, not everybody kind of gets the the gist of how that feels, and uh, you know, as a pro wrestler, you really just want to wrestle and be known for your wrestling. You know, some of the other stuff is just secondary, uh, while it's important. But you don't want to have sit people just like that's all they talk about is this, and they're just like trying to bring you down because they don't understand, uh, right? So you make yourself undeniable as a great pro wrestler. And then they're like, oh, shit, they're also non-binary? That's fucking cool. <laughs> uh, right? So they can't, you can say anything you want about that all you want, but then you're like, you know, can't take away from any of the work that I've done, uh, you know, how much thought process I put into everything. 
so whether you have a negative thing to say about it or not, I could give two shits less because my work speaks for itself. Uh, you know, the representation is there. Uh, it's touched the people. It's it's reached out to the people it's, it's supposed to go to. So if you don't like it and you don't like my wrestling because I look a certain way, you can go fuck yourself. And that's just how I feel. <laughs> so I'm thankful for I'm thankful for for Max and how how they basically do the you know do that because if you follow them on Twitter, they're definitely very adamant about you know not giving a shit whether you think Max is this side of the third. Max is gonna destroy whatever the fuck they want to and move on. And I think that's how they do it. I can think so. You know, like, all right, you know what? That's that's legit. <laughs> No, no, it's very true. Also, <laughs> like, <laughs> very, very true. No, um, one more question in regards to like you know Max, because I know you have expressed your desire to to wrestle in Japan. Yeah. Um, I know that's like a, a a big thing for you, a big goal for you, and obviously we've seen Max go over to Japan with you know Tokyo Joshi Pro and with DDT and have their non-binary identity like treated. Com- completely like on the up and up like there's been no real question about it like seeing how those companies have you know embraced max's identity and and not necessarily to say that there was any like level of discomfort for for you with your identity and going to japan like seeing that like what does that how does that make you feel about you know the the wider acceptance of of non-binary identities in the like international pro wrestling space, especially for you, if you were to go to Japan. So, you know, uh, I think it would be all right because, you know, the, the companies that I work for here now, especially the ones that, you know, took the time to either like watch my interviews or like see, pay attention to stuff I say. And they're like, Oh, I didn't know this is, you know, how you prefer things. It's like Brick doesn't care. You can call Brick him whenever you're talking about commentary. Cause I know it's easier just to say shit as fast as possible. Uh, but you know, uh, when you when they do say they on commentary, and cause I I watched all my matches back, and I watch them all back with commentary, uh, and if those people go out their way to say it, you know, at least mention that that part of the thing. Sometimes they'll just you know they'll throw the EM out of there whenever they're talking about stuff, but they're you know saying they a lot more uh, than they normally you know do for obviously for for me. I notice. I definitely notice. Uh, and I appreciate that. It's a very small, small thing, you know, in the grand scheme of things, but I notice and it makes it a big thing for me. And the fact that the people here in the U.S. can do that, and then uh, not only just that, some of the other pro wrestlers that, you know, that I talk to outside of just like, you know, shows and stuff like that, they do that in their promos. If they can do that, I know going over to Japan, it shouldn't be a problem. You know, it may take some getting used to, which is totally fine. It says not because brick is like I said, bricks a force of nature. And, you know, if you think about it in that way, in that concept, it doesn't make it a hard thing to do and a hard thing to follow and just be like, okay, you know, whatever. Uh, they're just there. They, yeah. they exist to destroy. And that's that, uh, you know, and if you follow like the concept of just like any kind of like monster or kaiju, right. Uh, you don't sit there and be like, "Well, that's a that's a man monster, that's a female monster." You don't do that, right? So you don't you yeah. don't you don't look at them like that. You're just like, "Oh shit, I need to get the hell out of here." Right? <laughs> that thing is gonna destroy me or eat me, right? So like, 
you don't consider any of that stuff when you're watching a monster movie, right? So uh, unless it's very apparent that they're like having birth or like, you know, their eggs or some shit or, or something yeah. very specific, <laughs> they're appropriating in a very certain way, right? So you don't think about that stuff when you're getting eaten. You're like, oh shit, this thing is like attacking me, right? Same concept. It shouldn't be a hard thing to translate over to if you watch a movie with a monster in it and you see that they're doing this damage and like it put in a pro wrestling. It's the same thing. It's It should be that hard. Uh, right, it, it may take some getting used to, but it's not that hard concept to grasp. So mm-hmm. I think it should be. <laughs> Good, I'm glad to hear. Not to say that I thought it wouldn't be, but you know, you, never, you know, you never know. Like we're just sitting there and thinking about these things, and like, oh man, I hope that this doesn't, you know, like you know, you never know. Like I know I've had those thoughts about spaces and stuff like that myself. So yeah, you know. like I said, Brick doesn't care because like you know, Brick has a representation representation now and a reputation that. Uh, most people are just fucking terrified to piss me off and they'd rather do something to be on my good side than mm-hmm. to so uh you know <laughs> let's let's do the thing that brick likes and, and not piss them off <laughs> path of least resistance <laughs> yeah it makes it very, very it makes it a very easy transition for you you know what i'm saying if i don't if i don't correct them in some way someone's gonna correct them but like you know and i think that's a cool thing uh, they're like, hey, you know, Brick goes by they them uh, in their personal life, and if you do that, they'll probably appreciate it. Uh, you know, and, and it's happened. So it's like one of those things. Like, I think uh, they'd rather have me be nicer and not be pissed off. And most people, are like, hey, uh, let's uh, let's not piss Brick off. And uh, <laughs> they don't deliberately tell me in person. They'll, they'll tell them people in private. And I think that's a cool thing, and it should be fine. Okay. <laughs> should be fine. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I, I know we're coming up on time, but I, I can't let you go without talking to you a bit about the latest Uncanny show. Uncanny Attractions, you know, had their most recent event in, in February, and you main evented that show with Billy Dixon. Um, you know, to my recollection, the first um, pro wrestling event in the state of Texas uh, to feature a main event title match with two black queer individuals um so a huge moment there obviously um talk to me a bit about like how that opportunity came your way with uncanny and you know what it meant to yourself being part of the community working with a company that is so much so heavily focused on the community and led by the community you know with with lynn there um in texas like what was that experience like for you so first uh we found out that it wasn't the first uh, oh okay probably the second uh billy dixon and sunny kiss uh was, was ah, the first. so that yeah. one wasn't a title match though i'll put the qualifier on there for you yeah title match okay so that, that's <laughs> that part and uh you know talking to billy before the show and like they wanted to like make sure hey uh you know you know all that ethnicity stuff like they were you know trying to like think about it stuff like that's what they were ex- billy expressed like how cool that was you know before the show and i was like yeah you know that is pretty cool you know it's not one of those things that you, know, you think about very often but you know uh once you kind of start talking about it, i was like damn that really is kind of cool and uh being an uncanny uh very special to me uh you know i, I wasn't uh on any of the uncanny shows that were in texas prior to uh, but I went to the last show and got to watch. 
cut a little promo with Billy uh, after the show and all that stuff. And um, it was very exciting to see because it's different. It's not like a normal wrestling show. And, you know, that's really not what you kind of go there for. You go to be the, to be entertained in, in a very unique aspect, a very unique way, because uh, everybody has a very unique thing about them. Uh, it's a little bit more over the top. Uh, you know, as far as like pro wrestling goes, which is already over the top, everything is a little bit more over the top. And I think that's a very <laughs> cool thing to have. You know, it's like going to uh, a circus and then a circus Olay. So like, you know, it's one of those things. It's like a little, it's, it's the same thing, but it's a little bit different. And uh, finally getting to be on the show. And not only that, just like headlining or was, uh, was a kind of surreal moment. And, you know, contrary to probably belief, I don't really main event. A lot of shows very often, not a big deal. Uh, but you know the fact that the first show I get to be on Uncanny and then also headline it and be in a title match, uh, very special. Uh, took it very seriously, uh, you know, but also had a very great time. Uh, wasn't one of those things like you know uh, I wanted to blow off. Uh, nothing. I didn't want to, you know. Fuck up. I don't want to fuck up any match. Like it's one of those things I want to make sure that not only did I <laughs> do great, but also, you know, uh represented the, you know, the idea of what a uncanny, you know, has as, you know, their points of like that, uh, their inclusion and just the 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 mix of the diverse backgrounds of people and all that together. I wanted to make sure I was uh, a representation of that and was able to treat their community there as just as possible you know so um, except Brick Brick is a lot of things and Brick is very dynamic and I got to do stuff I don't normally do <laughs> I had a fantastic time doing it you know so uh, <laughs> how fun was uh, it putting Billy Dixon's face in a kick let's be real it, it was <laughs> I thought one of the top things top moments I had <laughs> for sure and you know just the anticipation of just doing it and stuff like that uh how the crowd was just so into it I finally put his face in a cake uh they went berserk you know and it was it was a cool and Billy had cake on, cake on their face the entire time which was great was great it was absolutely it was absolutely a great time and that's that's one of those things like you don't get a normal wrestling show most of the time so it's like a little bit over, it's over the top but then a little bit more and that's a that's a cool thing about uncanny <laughs> yeah, yeah those type of those type of moments and stuff like that so very appreciative of lynn having me uh on that show and you know putting me in that position so <laughs> i had a great time uh yeah and the match was it would match was you know Good up until the part uh, Eddie hit me with a brick, uh, you know, in the back of the head. But yeah, it is what it is, you know. Yeah, I, I, I see, I get it. You know, you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do to put the monster down. And uh, you know, I'd rather not get hit with the brick, but you know, I, I get it. I, I get it. I get it. I get it. You know. Uh, <laughs> it <laughs> takes a lot. It takes a lot to put Brick Savage down. Yeah. <laughs> And that'll that'll do it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so very uh very creative on, on on Billy and Eddie's part there to to come up with that. So uh, hats off, hats off. <laughs> you know, it's definitely hard to try to come up with uh you know finishes and like things that you know take me out. 
so it's one of those things that, you know, I don't have to be innovative on that part. Somebody else did it. And uh, hats off to Billy and Eddie for uh, working that in there and uh, making that <laughs> special part. So. <laughs> Uh, it's a very apt description of like you know wrestling's over the top and then uncanny just that much more over the top i feel like anytime not to like say that it's just boils down to these two people but anytime you get billy dixon and eddie mcqueen in a room together like it's gonna go to that next level of over the top um in a lot of ways and i i don't know i really because i i followed uncanny back whenever they were more based out of new york you know Mm -hmm. whenever they first started now that they're down in austin it's even more special because like they're doing it in a place that really you know i think just given the political climate and the cultural climate in texas like what they do you know centered around the community and the focus on like trans and non-binary and gender non-conforming people on their shows you know like it's so vitally important for you know the representation aspect also the performance as protest aspect aspect to all these things that are down there not to mention the fact the, the wide array of people from the community that are there because you have everybody from like an eddie mcqueen uh mm-hmm. to yourself and like a sky de la cremosa um mm-hmm. on those shows as well oh. like you just run the full gambit of yeah. of you know of i guess you could you could say eddie mcqueen is menacing in a way to full-on <laughs> like what you and sky represent in terms of menacing yeah. so <laughs> You know, that's like, uh, uh, you know, it's like a, like a Riddler, you know, uh, you, you see there's different types of Riddler in Batman that are like, you know, kind of funny and like off-putting and like kind of terrifying because that uh, the way they kind of like do certain things is just like unhinged, unhinged in a different way. And, uh, you know, that's, that's basically, even <laughs> queen. you know, it's not that, not that terrifying Riddler version and stuff, not the, you know, not the happy-go-lucky one of students. It's just like, damn, that's kind of twisted. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's just definitely, definitely very, uh, very interesting variety of, uh, of, of, of type of people in Uncanny. It's, it's a really cool thing. Yeah. Sure. No, absolutely love it. Well, Brick, this has been an absolute, blast thank you so much for for taking the time to come on the show we'll definitely have to catch up somewhere down the line again too this this has been really a lot of fun chatting with you here yeah i, I appreciate you having me and uh you know it's really cool because uh sky was definitely one of those people that uh, uh introduced me to to you and like that that, that aspect like uh, uh the qwi and all that stuff and it was like uh hey you know you're in this thing i was like what the fuck this is the thing like yeah yeah it's a thing uh you know and you know i absolutely love sky sky's been really important uh to me as well and uh very great friend and really appreciative of, of everything you know <laughs> that me and sky have been through and it's a fucking lot <laughs> that's another story for a different time for sure but me and sky have been uh through a lot together <laughs> uh, Man, you know, that wrestling thing is something else and uh, super appreciative. And uh, I really care for Skyline and how uh, great that they're, you know, doing so much. It's, they're super busy, just like I am. And, uh, you know, it's good. So it's a good thing to see. So I really appreciate you having me. Glad that, you know, we finally were able to connect to actually do this thing. Uh, yes. So we'll need to catch up at some point in time and you know, <laughs> get everything else you know, that happens because, you know, there's a lot of things going to happen in 2024 for sure. Uh, we need to catch up on. <laughs> yes, yes. And I'll be looking forward to chatting with you all about them for sure. <laughs> Let everybody know where they can find you online. 
All right. Uh, Twitter, you can find me at BrickSavage7. Uh, same with uh, my backup page Instagram, but my main one is Worldbreaker Savage. That's the one I talk the most shit on. Uh, you know, post the most stuff on the most updates on, and then Facebook at Brick Savage. Uh, you know, like I said, talk a lot of shit on there. So, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that you know you can find find me there. And if if you don't, I might be banned. Go find my backup page. Uh, they'll have some other stuff on there. Uh, you can pick up some merch too on my uh, my page at uh, WorldbreakerSavage.com bunch of stuff on there uh you get all the updates on all those social medias so uh you want to see me at the next show pop it all those in and you'll find another promo on there and come, come see me awesome thank you again brick appreciate you thank you <laughs> my thanks once again to to brick for taking the time to come on the show and and chat all about you know their journey in the progressing space you know um or no it's <laughs> It was just, it was just a whole lot of fun getting the chance to to sit down and, and chat with them, um, and to hear about how much fun they had at Uncanny too. Because I feel like Uncanny is an environment that is built to cultivate that sense of fun within the pro wrestling world, and it's and it's fun and it's cool to see like that that sort of space exist to give you different sides of of people that you don't normally see. You know, because Brick is definitely someone who normally when you see them. It is just all out uh, physicality, you know. It is, is violence on violence in in their matches. But to see them get the chance to show a bit more of the entertainment side, a bit more of the humorous side there, um, that is runs so deep in their own personality, too, was was really cool to see. And I'm glad that we had the chance to talk to them and and show more of that here as well. It's one of the best things about doing this show, honestly. Um, we're gonna. That's all. That's all for us this week. Uh, but before we get out of here, I do want to highlight our um, our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/LGBTRingPod. Uh, we have a new episode of Required Reading that, as this is going out, should be going up later today on February 29th, um, where Hollis and I are chatting all about um, Sandy Parker and the Watermelon Woman, Cheryl Dunier's, um monumental historic. Uh, feature film debut from 1996. Um, that should be going up for everyone at the $5 tier over on the Patreon there. Of course, if you want to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash LGBT ring pod. $5 gets you all of the bonus shows that we do every episode of required reading that we've done so far. Um, but at the $3 tier, you get to join the roster of lovelies and be uh, part of the shout outs on this show. Each and every episode, you can join the likes of Zach Walker, Alex E., Val Capone, and Jerry Legend over there um, at the $3 tier. Of course, obviously, financial support is not something that is feasible for everyone, and we totally understand that. Word of mouth, rating and reviewing, um, just spreading the word on social media, anything, anything that y'all do to continue to spread the word about the show um, is, in, is incredibly uh, welcomed and humbling, and we can't thank you enough. So, yeah, so many ways to support the show. And trust me, all of that support does not fall on deaf ears. It is um, one of those things that still bewilders me <laughs> every time I see it. Um, it's just wild. Never thought, still don't think, don't think I ever will get used to feeling um, the way that I do about seeing the people that, that support the show in the ways that they do. So thank you again. 
But that will do it for us this week. Until next week, y'all stay messy. Wash your hands. Wear your mask. Get vaccinated and boosted, if at all possible. Same goes for monkeypox. And uh, along with Anthony Gaines, um, rest in peace, Virgil. Bye. She made a deal with the demon so a lover could live But the moon is high and the devil is shot and stick It's the formula 666